everybody and welcome to the EC Method. I am one of your coaches, Chloe Maidley. And I am your other coach, Emma Story Gordon. Our goal at the EC Method is to encourage, educate and empower you to get the results that you've always wanted. Listen to our weekly podcasts, go to our website, theecmethod.co.uk or simply follow us on Instagram to get more information. we're good to go hello everybody and welcome to week three of the ec method um a couple of housekeeping bits before we jump into le questiones um okay so i i uploaded all the new home home workouts yesterday the home weighted and the home body weight and i absolutely just stopped short this time of doing more kettlebell specific barbell specific dumbbell specific because a they're all in there anyway and B, there's so many fucking home workout, like home equipment options now that it's just going to start getting way too much in terms of usability on the app and your options. Like sometimes it's nice to just have specific options, like a few to pick from and that's it. We get like menus. We get in trouble when there's like 18 pages of a, of a menu. Um, so I hope you don't well, mind. Well, there's a lot of um, science behind that as well, isn't there? Like yeah. if options. you're given too many options, you just don't pick any. So if we yeah. gave you like, you can do one of 20 workouts, you'd be like, oh, I'll spend 20 minutes looking through them all to see which one I'll do. Whereas if we're like, you need to do this workout today, you're like, okay, take exactly. your decision away. Exactly. And like in all honesty, guys, I would have I, I would have much preferred to have set your workouts for the full eight weeks and left them there so you could actually really progress them. But, you know, coaching experience has taught both Emma and I that when we do that, clients get bored they throw in the towel they think we're being lazy so we give you options um you certainly don't need more going forward than the ones which i'm set on providing um emma as well wanted to touch on something that i wanted to touch on as well re some of your kind of we're not we don't really do like typical check-ins you guys reach out to us as and when you need to but some of your kind of check-ins this weekend emma yeah i mean generally they've been amazing and i do think that most of the ones that are like oh, I'm a little bit worried I've only... Well, I mean, some of them are ridiculous. Like, I think there's a couple of things. Like, one, we need to... Oh, sorry, I thought someone was saying they couldn't... Okay, so number one, we need to be realistic with weight loss and how that's going to look for different people. And it's so varied. Like, there's people in the groups that are like, I've lost nine pounds. And then someone else who's like, I've put on two pounds. Both of which, like, neither of which mean that, like, one's making results and one or one is getting results and one isn't like your fat loss can quite easily be masked on the scales and the amount of fat you have to lose is going to dictate what like a standard amount of weight loss might look like over a certain period of time but even yeah. then even if you've got loads of body fat to lose but it's I don't know you've had a salty meal the night before or it's the week before your period or like so many reasons for water retention it could look like the scale is going up despite the fact you are losing body fat, which is why we don't focus on it. But I feel like there's been so many um, comments in the group just being a bit worried about the fact they're not losing weight yet, which is completely normal. Or other people that are like, I've lost two kilograms, just wondering if I should lower my calories. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's only been two weeks. It's very unlikely that we need to change anything. Yeah, two weeks, guys, is like, like I say, like, really, we'd get to week three, you'd be like, okay, nothing's happening. And I'd say, okay, next week, let's do some pictures. Like, I want to see what you look like week one or day one versus 
you know next week um and then we we could we could easily go from there but emma's right there are so many different things both both in immediate sense in terms of yeah having a, a salty meal having a very high fiber meal which will see the cells jump significantly like if i have a huge bowl of broccoli mash at nine o'clock at night and go to bed wake up at seven o'clock the next day and weigh in you best believe the scales are up a hundred percent um so there's so many things that can affect that and then as emma said hormonally as well even if it doesn't even have to be your menstrual cycle if you've had a really stressful week at work for example or at home those scales aren't going anywhere and that doesn't mean you're not getting fat loss okay you guys have to really take into account what the role that hormones play and also just your basic metabolism of different foods are going to play with the scales really when we get to that four week mark that's when we can look at pictures but yeah i'll i'm just going to be the savage coach here and just say it. my biggest pet peeve is when somebody's lost weight and is wondering if they should change anything I don't understand that. Come on, like every loss should be celebrated. Every single, whether it's, you know, it's really hard to see the scale shift. Okay, really hard for all the reasons we've just mentioned. So if you're seeing them trend down, even if it's, you know, 0.1 of a kg, we're good. We're happy. Um, so yeah, please bear that in mind. Yeah, I think it does. Sometimes I just have to check myself because I'm like, that is like, you've lost weight. You should just be happy that you're going in the right direction and everything's going yeah. really well. And yeah. Focusing on your process goals, but generally people are just looking for reassurance 100 percent. because normally when you comment it'd be like just keep going you're doing absolutely everything right like okay great thanks just checking so we completely understand that aspect as well but yeah if you are genuinely worried that you're not getting results yet or i just think it's more that most people have an unrealistic expectation of the fat loss process yeah yeah I agree. But also we've talked, we talked about it in the last slide, you know, fat loss and, and weight loss are two very different things. Okay. Obviously I'm not saying that the two don't go hand in hand from time to time. Of course they do, but really fat loss can be happening and the scales can be doing their own sweet fucking thing. Like frequently that happens. So try not to get too bogged down in it. And like I say, if you're not seeing the scales trend down by that three week mark, then let's do picks week four. And then we can go from there. Um, there, We go on all these different uh, measures of progress for a reason, because not one of them is reliable in and of itself. We need a, we need a big, a big picture. We need a bird's eye view, scales, measurements, pictures, every like clothes fitting, you know, every, what you're seeing when you look in the mirror, we need a big, big picture of all of it before we can determine whether or not you're on the right calories or your expenditure needs checking or maybe you're mistracking. A lot of the time I'll ask you guys to send me screen grabs if you're of a tracking day. Um, and yeah, and then there are other things we can take into consideration too. Like we can start maybe thinking before we would even drop calories of maybe giving you potentially a lower carb, higher fat att- approach just to see what would happen then. Now we might see the scales drop again. That wouldn't necessarily be fat loss. But after a couple of weeks, we might actually really start to see some good fat loss. So there are loads of options that could happen. Um, but we don't know until we have a good kind of file to look at for you. So keep going. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I do think that the two week mark is often like a sticking point for people. And it tends to be where people are like, this isn't working, I'm going to give up. And that, yeah. honestly, the difference between people that get results and people that don't get results is that like two week mark. It usually happens around here. Like it might happen slightly earlier for some people, slightly later for others, but it's usually around this mark where people are like, I've put in effort for like two weeks. I'm not getting results. It obviously doesn't work for me. I'm giving up. Whereas if you can just stick at it for another week, that tends to be when you start to see results. Like you just need a little bit more consistency and some people it happens a little bit sooner, some people a little bit later, but it will happen and you will see those scales go down over time. But it's that between the point that you think it's not working and you want to give up and like seeing results, that's like the magic point. And that's kind of like the biggest 
thing you get from us as coaches, I guess, is keeping you on track when you feel like giving up. Like just for that period of time where you're like, I'm not sure that I can do this or I don't think I'm going to get results or it never works for me, the sort of like victim mentality. If you can keep going for that, like the next week, basically, I promise you, if you're consistent, you will start to see results. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Right. Oh, okay. (laughs) We're done looking, staring at Emma like, what now? Okay, let's jump into the questions. Nikki, gorgeous ladies, I know this comes up a lot and even I've discussed it with you, but I stuck to 1,500 calories for eight weeks, no problem during my last round. I'm now trying to build up to 1,700, my estimated maintenance, and I'm hungry and snacking on 1,600. I think the psychological note is, I think it's the psychological knowing I can have more. I should probably just jump up to 1,700, but I'm scared. Can you remind me of any tricks or is it just power through? Thank you. Right. So she's trying to come up to 1700, which is her estimated maintenance. She's hungry and snacking on 1600. The psychological. She's probably note... already at 1700. <laughs> yeah. I would say let's come up in calories to a, a, a nice amount, 17, 1800, that you can actually adhere to. And much like you would in fat loss, let's plan your daily breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks with some room to maneuver if you should want and or need it. But let's come up in calories. And guys, more than anything, when you come from fat loss up into maintenance and even into hypertrophy, psychologically, it's just as important, if not more important now that you actually have a bit of a a plan, a meal plan of what you're going to eat every day and where your room, your wiggle room is with the freedom of, you know, tracking flexible dieting um but yeah the second that you're like well i'm not dieting anymore you can find yourself just absolutely losing all control and that's not what we want because the whole point is is that we want to raise your calories and maintain around about your results emma i agree i think right this is quite um presumptuous but i think that the mindset that happens with a lot of people is I know that I can't really, or basically they sort of accept that they never really stick to their calories, right? So they'll set their calories a little bit too low. I, th- I see this with so many people like, I'm going to set myself 1500 because I really struggle to stick to it. And I'm like, right, but what if we set you something you could actually stick to? But it's yeah. like the mindset of, and it it's similar to like perfectionist mindset or the feeling that you're not enough until you do something else, until you do another nutrition course or until you do another like qualification. It's it's like this all the belief that you always need to do a little bit more and if you don't hold yourself to those really high standards, then you'll slip below. Yeah. So like if you actually set yourself something you can stick to, like eighteen hundred, then you won't go over your calories. Yeah. But it's this thought process that, oh well if I don't make this like a really hard target and I'm actually trying to stick to 1500 knowing that I'm going to overeat it's the assumption that you're going to overeat your calories that's that's what I think is holding you back because you've just said that you're eating 1600 but snacking a bit but you're worried about going to 1700 you're probably already there but you you're beating yourself up for being there it's like the action is the same but your mindset behind it is different yeah so instead of being like oh I'm trying to stick to 1600 (coughs) but I'm not actually reaching that and like beating yourself up for that or feeling like you haven't achieved what you wanted to achieve you actually set yourself something realistic and then you can do this basically the same action but you're actually enjoying it because you feel like you're achieving something because you set yourself that target and you're sticking to it so long story short bring yourself up to 1800 
Yeah, I completely agree. That that kind of approach of, well, I'm probably going to overdo it anyway, so I'll set my calories lower. That's that's doing exactly what Emma and I say right from the off, the opposite of what we need, which is it's a lack of consistency and a lack of adherence. And consistency and adherence is not only going to make this easier for you to do day to day, which trust me, it will. It's going to make like our measures of your progress a lot more reflective of reality and a lot less all over the shop. So that's also good for you psychologically. It's not just good for us as coaches, but psychologically to kind of everything's going to fluctuate anyway. We may as well do the best we can. Do so, you yeah, think I completely... you do that more generally? Like, do you think you set goals that you know, like, realistically, you don't think you're going to achieve, but to make yourself work yeah. towards them? Yeah, 100%. What is it? It's what uh, Eddie Jones always used to say to James is um, aim for the stars. And if you're lucky, you'll hit the ceiling. It's that mentality. Yeah. And usually, like, I can see the positives of it, but you can also see the negatives that you're kind of always, like, never yeah, because... quite... Com- not complacent isn't the right word. You're never quite, like, content with where you are because you're always pushing for that little bit more. Yeah. And you can never quite get to... I used to say this to Emma all the time. I think we even talked about this on our first podcast episode of, like, I always want to know more and I always want to be better and I always... And, and then what gets really scary is that with every step deeper into either, you know, science or just human behavior of what we do, you realize that, you know, fucking nothing. Like we know nothing. Like we're trying so, it's like never ending chasing our tails to be a better coach, to know more, to know more. There's no fucking end in sight. And it becomes more and more like demoralizing <laughs> and awful. It's really funny. But don't you think that, so I get that because I think I used to feel like that. And my behaviours are exactly the same, but my mindset behind it is different now. So instead of thinking like, oh, I'm not good enough as a coach, I need to know more, I need to do more courses, I need to go back to uni, I need to get qualified, I need to do this, yeah. like the whole like imposter syndrome thing. Yeah. Instead of thinking that, like, I'm really thirsty for knowledge, like, I still want to learn. I'm, If anything, I probably do more, but I don't put the same pressure on myself. I'm not like, oh, I won't be a good enough coach until I have... I mean, like, I want to get a PhD. Like, that was my... Yeah. I was like, I won't be good enough until I've got this title. And then after that, it would have been something else. But like, oh, I haven't published enough papers. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's always something. And maybe your behaviours are exactly the same. But if, you're, if your thought behind it is like, I am enough now, but I want to be better, as opposed to, yeah. I won't feel like I'm enough until I reach X. Yeah. 100%. You're right. Because ultimately... Ultimately, like where it's coming from is a place of like passion and love for doing what you what you do right like Emma and I love our job so you're completely right no matter what happens I'm never going to stop getting better because I'm never going to stop doing what I do so just organically I'm going to get better you're completely right the mindset of I'm already like I'm already doing a really good job as a coach as opposed to fuck I need to be better is 100% going to change my enjoyment of the path and this is exactly what we always say as well about dieting like depending on how you look at it, it's going to determine whether or not you enjoy this or you hate this. And if you enjoy it, you're going to end up in it for the long haul. And if you don't, you're probably going to fall short of your results. And you're completely right. It Mindset and perspective is the whole game. Yeah. The whole. And it's why yeah. we want you to come into this. Like if fat loss is your goal, we don't want a lot of people start a diet thinking, right, when I weigh X amount, that's when I'll look good in a bikini. That's when I'll be confident. That's when I'll love myself which never happens, right? But if you can come at this from like, I already love myself, like there might be areas of myself I want to change or I want to improve, but generally I like, I am enough now, but I want to better myself. That's why I'm doing this. That's where we want you to come at this from. And that's when it works. Yeah, really, yeah, really interesting 
talk point and definitely something for everybody to think about in every context of their of their life um love that okay michelle hi ladies i've been hitting my calories and doing four workouts a week but the scales aren't moving a lot other than one lb which i know is still moving in the right direction should i stick to 1800 calories what michelle what sorry the scales aren't moving, other than the fact that they're moving, but they're not moving. Should they I drop my calories? They're upset that the scales haven't gone down. They've already gone down. <laughs> Michelle! Uh, Michelle, come on, Michelle. <laughs> Michelle, I get it. I, we're, we like fast rates of loss, and we're we're all excited about dropping 100 pounds overnight. But honestly, like, let's, um, you're losing, you're, you're, you're hitting your calories, you're hitting your workouts let's uh you've lost the pound in two weeks let's stay here for another two weeks and then reassess with everything i said in the beginning re big picture bird's eye view of everything uh <laughs> katie random and probably stupid quezzy glad to see that quezzy's catching on though <laughs> you're such a trendsetter thank you <laughs> <laughs> I'm a literature pioneer. Um, when doing split squats and lunges, does it make a difference how far away your legs go? E.g. big step forward, small step forward. Are there benefits to doing them either way? Uh, there are benefits to doing them either way. You're just likely going to hit different muscles. Look, you're going to hit the same muscles however you do it. If you do a big step forward, you're likely going to hit more glutes and hamstrings, which is kind of what we want, as well as, as, well as quads. If you do a smaller step, to be honest probably not going to be that great for you in terms of your range of motion or your knees but you're you're going to hit probably a, good, a fair amount of quad what we really want with a lung lunge is uh, a knee over toe and coming down into that 90 degree angle um that you know that's what i would say emma yeah i would say i mean yeah basically the same if it's a little bit closer in like if it's too far away it won't feel great if it's too close it's not you're not going to have room to get down if that makes yeah. sense it would just be awkward yeah. so there is a sort of optimal but that might look slightly different for everyone yeah and like I was looking at someone's um stiff leg deadlifts today and she was like oh my are my knees bending too much and to be honest if you feel it everyone's hamstrings are at a slightly different level of flexibility so if you're feeling it and you're bending your it looks like you're bending your knees a little bit too much well too much like it looks like you're bending your knees a little bit then it's not too much it's yeah. basically you're probably doing it right if you can feel the stretch in your hamstrings and yeah however far you need to go down for that is quite individual yeah 100 percent. i used to do this with um rdls some of the girls that i would see doing it are just like literally going all the way down to their ankles and i'm like how like i get to like just about my knee and then i have to come up because I'm, I'm at the peak of it like i'm done i can't go, if i go any further i'll injure myself because we're all different <laughs> like it's part of it um what was I going to say? I tried to do split squats today with like a hip hinge just to see if I felt it more in my glutes, but it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. And my, my back foot was just like going all the way off the bench. <laughs> it's like, I look like a seesaw. This isn't working for me. Anyway, um, okay. Sarah, hi, ladies. Thank you for having me on the EC method. Oh, a lovely way to start. Thank you for being here. Um, the reason why I am here is partly for fat loss, but also I will be trekking the volcanoes in Iceland. I've done it in August for charity and I want to be fitter and stronger to cope with this. I already feel fitter and stronger and I'm super excited to finish this plan. I'm in a great mindset and I know I can do this. 
Is there any advice in the weeks before the trek that you can give me or snack wise while I'm there for energy? It is for three days. I've literally done this. It is for three days. Um, and we'll be trekking 58 kilometers in total over difficult terrain. It starts on the 4th of August. I've also pulled my glute four weeks ago doing the splits under the influence of booze. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm really doing, and I'm really doing well with the workouts. Thank you so much in advance. Much love. First of all, I love you. (laughs) I want to go on a night out with you. Um, second of all, I've done this. I've done this exact trek. Um, it's, I'm just going to be totally upfront with you. It's not that hard. Um, it, don't get me wrong. It, no, don't get me wrong. Like you're still trekking for hours a day, and definitely, like towards the end, you do start to get like a little bit fed up and a little bit tired, <laughs> a little bit hungry. It's not hard, but you're just like, oh, this is really dragging I mean, on now. Like you, you trek for hours and hours, and it's beautiful, by the way. Like it's, it's such like a what's the word I'm looking for, varied and like, like vast landscape and terrain, like, like New Zealand is like, it's bizarre. One minute you're, you're surrounded by one view and the next minute you're surrounded by like a polar opposite view. It's mad, but it's also wicked. And it is difficult because it's a trek, but it's not like, at, like you're not climbing Mount, Kil- Mount Kilimanjaro, which what I would imagine would be slightly more um, tiresome. Um, I would say really like doing um, kind of maybe some, Maybe doing doing your resistance training um, is is obviously going to help. Maybe doing that three days a week, and then maybe three days a week doing forty five minutes to an an incline uh, steady state cardio, uh, like maybe the stairs, uh, the stairmaster, um, and or just an incline treadmill. Um, it's probably going to be a really nice sweet spot for you in terms of getting your fitness up. And but I promise you, once you're there as well, like it's so much fun. Like I was with a big group of girls, and it, it's so much fun. Like you just yeah, it's great. In terms so of is snacks, it one day? No, it's three days. So where do you, you sleep? You camp. You sleep in tents. Oh, I did oh. it with Vicky Pattinson, and we <laughs> so funny. At the end of every night, we just get into our tent and get absolutely hammered, and just go walking around the campsite, annoying everyone. <laughs> Wait, what was it? Was this like a show? No, no, no. It was for uh, it was a charity. It was for oh my god, oh the Cervical Cancer Trust. Oh. Um, it was just really great fun and we just did it because uh, yeah it meant that we could get the more press coverage and yeah it was really good it was really ace um but and in terms of snacks what I will say is like, I gained quite a lot of weight <laughs> <laughs> might have been I, the drinking every night <laughs> might have been the boozing every night but also because I thought because you know we we're trekking all day every day like it was absolutely fine could eat whatever I wanted so don't be fooled but just like, you know, like as always, protein, carbohydrate, like breakfast, I think we had like porridge, like uh, maybe having some like protein oats every morning would be really great. And then I just kind of, and then snacking on things like um, cereal bars. I mean, I just overdid it, but like protein bars and cereal bars, totally fine. But yeah. Do you know what you can massively overdo it on when you go walking is those like trail mix. Cause you're like, well, yeah. you need trail mix, don't you? And it's like thousands of calories of nuts (laughs) thousands of calories and that's the thing like 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 honestly those like fast digesting uh protein and carb sources like your cereal bars like your protein bars are gonna gonna stand you in good stead but genuinely i really overdid it i think i gained like five pounds in three days (laughs) so don't do that um but yeah that's my advice emma well i think your advice is far better than anything i could give on that front (laughs) 
okay ollie have you thought about when you do the lives if we are able to join you for live clients to ask questions live on the videos with you is ollie been reading our dms <laughs> we are it is coming well we just need to get through the first couple of weeks first because we have obviously lots of new people lots of questions when everything settles down yes ollie this is something that might be happening in this round uh, okay, Maria. Hi, Chloe and Emma. How low do you have to go with the squat in order for it to actually work slash do what it's supposed to do? I go as low as is comfortable, but I've seen people going into a full squat all the way down. I do my squats with a 50 kg barbell, which is my current PB. Should I lower the weight to go as low? Will that allow me to go all the way down? Or should I stick to what I'm doing? Thank you so much. Love you both. Ah. Uh, okay, so look, it, in terms of glute activation, it is fair to say that the lower that you can go with good form, the better said activation will be. However, as Emma just touched on with, you know, um, stiff leg deadlifts, your range of, of motion is your range of motion. It's going to be different for everybody. And, you know, some people have to do partials, which are squats that, that you know, don't go to depth. And that's absolutely fine. You've got to do what you've got to do. You say a 50 kg barbell. I'm always really confused when people say barbell. In an ideal world, like, because I'm like, there's a barbell, which is basically like a long dumbbell. And then there's an Olympic bar, right? So oh, if she's, okay. Yeah, uh, fair. Yeah. So if, and so everyone's like, that's the thing that I don't call them the same thing because in my head there's a distinction there in terms of your weights. So if you're talking about like uh, you're you've got a squat rack as, like a, there, then there are certain there are brackets in place to help you go low. And let's just say you can't get back up and you don't have a squat. It's okay. You can sit down and the, the bracket will catch it. If you're talking about like you're like literally like pressing a, a you know push pressing a barbell, that would be really impressive. <laughs> Yeah, like 50 kg, like, well, yeah, I don't think that that is what you mean, to be honest, because 50 kg is likely too heavy for you to be able to do that on your own, unless you've got, like, amazing upper body strength or, like, you're some crossfitter or something. Um, but, yeah, I would want you to basically do it as safely as possible. If you're going to try and really go to depth with a heavy weight on your back, I want you to have those brackets and do it safely. Um, and, and I would say, yeah, look, why don't you why don't you take the weight off the bar and just go lower and see what your actual range is? And then and then build from there. Try and hit that range as you build the weight. Emma? Yeah, I agree. It would be interesting to see a video, actually, because it's quite hard to tell. Like, I don't know how low you're going already. And you've kind of got to look at, like, the cost-benefit to going any lower. Like, I would definitely work on your form first. Mm. And you could even keep doing, like, higher squats with the 50 kilograms, but then also be working on your form at the same time so you can increase that range of motion. Yeah. Okay, we've okay. got we've got a couple here. Okay. Uh, mm -mm. I find the scales are higher when I have been to the gym the day before. This doesn't bother me, but just wondering the science behind it. Uh, you can have some inflammation post gym workout, so mm. it could literally be that, or it could be something that's impacting that like for example if the days you go to the gym mean that you don't go to the toilet in the morning because you're going to the gym first thing like there could be like loads of reasons which aren't that linked to the gym but from like an actual workout impacting your weight it's likely inflammation yeah i get it after like big lower body days my weight like 
not going anywhere. Um, okay. Hi, girls. I've hit all my non-negotiables, raised my calories dramatically and hitting 1,500 to 1,700 per day. I don't know what that's in relation to because there's no... That's just it. Okay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> okay, great. Hi, girls. <laughs> Getting married in August. Someone mentioned that doing weights will retain water. Is that right? What training would you advise the week before wedding training? But the week before wedding, my wedding. <laughs> Look, guys, if you're like getting on stage and you're competing, this is something we need to think about is like peak week programming. You're getting married. This is not something that we need to be like overly focused on or like overly dramatic about. If you want to reduce training and just do cardio and hit your steps the week before your wedding, fine, whatever. It's totally fine. But unless you're literally stripping down to like a thong, and getting on stage and being judged on the tightness of your glutes. I, I, what, no, who cares? Like, really, who cares? Yeah, I wouldn't even say, like, for most people, like, I don't notice any water retention from lifting weights. Like, most no. people won't notice. And, and over a period of time, like, you're not going to notice anyway. And I think people get a little bit confused about what water retention is. Like, it's not the same as, I don't know, when you take a certain drug and have a bad reaction and your whole sort of face swells up and, like, it's obvious that you're, like, something's going on, you're retaining water. It's likely within your muscles. So, if anything, you would look leaner than you did before. Mm. Like, I wouldn't change anything the week before your wedding. The one thing that bodybuilders sometimes do is they don't train legs, like, a couple of days before their show. Yeah. I can't even really remember the logic behind that, but... And apparently you come in slightly tighter. But again, that's at like lean percent body fat, ridiculous yeah. levels. Like it would would make absolutely no difference on your wedding day. Exactly. Like a lot of these rumors is like when you're that lean, when you're at like essential body fat levels and you have to be to be competitive, that's when you start going nuts with this kind of shit because you're like, I'm not putting in all this effort to maybe hold on to water the day of. 99.9% of people with a physique goal don't need to worry about it. Agreed. Okay, morning guys. I've had a really bad reaction to my first COVID jab. Worst flu symptoms possible. Shivers, fever, joint ache, headache. Oh God. I know, stop. This was me last week. Horrific. <laughs> it can last a few days or a week. I will stick to eating well and hitting my protein, but steps are a no-go and workouts too. Everything hurts. Shall I lower my calories this week? I'm on 1800 for fat loss great question and honestly guys no like it's one week we'd much rather you were consistent your body's obviously going through a lot and hopefully within a couple of days you'll feel better enough to go and get like a walk-in and stuff but for the moment just look after yourself and and don't put i think lowering your calories just puts extra pressure on yourself that you don't need at the moment so that would be my thoughts I completely agree. And you're likely going to need those extra calories, to be honest, to come back fighting fit. I completely fucked my whole diet the week that I was ill. I'm not proud of it. I'm your coach. I need to lead by a way better example than that. But I did. And I was ill. So fuck it. Who cares? I lost a week or two on my fat loss journey. And I'll get it back. And that's the end of that. But definitely don't lower calories. You you probably need them. And yeah, just focus on getting better more than anything. Okay, no question. Just wanted to say that I loved Chloe's Insta post over the weekend about seeing girls in the gym with her book open in front of them and how proud she is, how inspiring that must be for you. Also, who's Porna Bell? 
I don't know. What's what a strange it? name? Also, Paula <laughs> Bell on Five Live Radio this morning talking about her boom stronger and destri- describing her journey to use the weight room. The girls are taking over. Whoop whoop. I wonder who Paula Bell is. <laughs> I don't know, but it's a very suggestive name. I mean, in all syllables. Um, I'm going to Google her. Yeah, I um, yeah, guys, anyone listening, uh, and you know, it's mad to me. Like, I just remember when I first started, and I was like, you know, that super fan girl of like the gym and the weights, and I was like proper, just like, you know, in the beginning, Emma, when you're just like obsessed, and I was just like, I hope one day. <laughs> I feel like that now, because going yes. back to the gym, I'm like, oh, you know, the- <laughs> oh my god, I was like, I just hope that one day, like, girls in the gym. I don't know, like, I've, I've said something that's made them want... It sounds so cheesy and cliche, but I did... I just used to be like, I hope one day there are girls in the gym that are weightlifting because of something I've said or posted or written or done. And then when I first did my PT course for, like, motivation on day one, they made us write down what we wanted to get out of it. And I said I wanted to I wanted to build a career around weightlifting and writing. Like, that's verbatim what I did because I was doing a writing course at the time. Obviously, I was doing a PT course at the time. I was, I'd fallen head over heels in love with lifting. I started Fitness Fondue, which was my blog. And it's mad to me now that like, I walk into the gym and I've seen it four or five times in the last few weeks, just girls there with my book. And I'm like, oh, it's mad. It genuinely makes me emotional, genuinely makes me want to cry. And then I also get really awkward and I like try and avoid them the whole session. Like, I like literally am like Aww. trying to so that they don't see me and then someone on instagram was like you should go up to them and correct their form i was like uh no thanks no thanks for getting my book but you're doing it wrong fuck off can you imagine oh i love that you ever stand back and look at your career or like like something somebody sent you and been like fuck i'm actually doing it i'm doing it yeah (laughs) i think like you know when you there's like um what is it I guess like a practice where you look back and you're like what what would your I don't know 16 year old self think of you now and you're like maybe maybe like yeah maybe <laughs> like you you done good or like when yeah. you left uni I guess that's more of like an age where you're kind of more maybe know where you want to go yeah like yeah. 21 what would your 21 year old self be like I think she'd be quite impressed yeah, I think my 21-year-old self would be waiting for me to end up in a crack tent. <laughs> They'd be like, oh, you're not in rehab. Oh, <laughs> oh you didn't die. Good. <laughs> Do you know no, what? It's... Genuinely, I don't know if this is a normal thing, but I always, like, I don't know if it's because you can't, when you're younger, envision yourself getting, like, old or older. Mm. But I never thought that I would live this long. No, I think that's really normal. I think everyone's like, wow, I thought I'd be dead by now. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna... it's weird that like, that's normal though. Yeah, because you can't, like, it's it's too much. The mind boggles, Emma. <laughs> it's too much to, for you to, like, unwrap. Like, James always says it. He's like, I'm going to die young. I'm like, everyone thinks they're going to die young, okay? James, we can only hope. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> joking, I'm joking. Okay. Oh, okay, um... um... Unfortunately, for some reason today, the names aren't coming up on my side, but... Do you mean today? It happens every time. No, because sometimes I get some names. But anyway, I'm not getting any today. Something's wrong with Facebook. Anyway, the <laughs> the person who asked about her wedding says, I can confirm I'm not getting married in a thong. So that's good. Yeah. It's good to know. Good Probably don't need to worry about the water retention then. 
I lifted the day before my wedding, and my butt looked great. <laughs> In my skin-tight dress that offended all the mothers everywhere. <laughs> I was like, oops, tip your mask. Um, okay, do we have more on the live? No, we're good to go. Although the woman, I think it's it's a double O, so it's P-O-O-R-N-A. I don't know how that's pronounced. P-O-O-R-N-A. She's a journalist. She's a journalist. I love it how, sorry to be a bit spicy, but I love it how when I first started lifting weights, all I got was inundated with bullshit questions from older female journalists asking me if I thought it was attractive or not that women should lift weights and whether or not I thought that it was attractive or not that women should have muscle in. I just don't think it looks attractive and all this fucking shit. And it was like, I've had this rant a million times before and I'm never going to stop having it. And it was like, cool, you're literally telling women to be unhealthy because you think it doesn't look good. Like the irony of that is just mind blowing. And now all of a sudden everyone's like, love yourself. It doesn't matter how we look. And it's the same women and I'm like fucking shut up sorry (laughs) yeah love yourself doesn't matter how you look as long as you've not made an effort to look that way I think that's where the line is I don't really know why but it's like if you just happen to be look a certain way then then that's fine but if you've made an effort for example like I think that's why people look at like bodybuilding women and be like oh that's disgusting but you're not allowed to say that about someone who's overweight which i wouldn't say about anyone by the way i'm not saying that either are right i'm saying that neither are right but it's more accepted when someone's in amazing shape because it's like well you you did that like you did that to yourself i mean both yeah. are both are kind of true but it's yeah. it's odd that we would completely accept one but not the other there was there's a girl who's like, you know, in the celebrity world, who's like quite well known for like lifting. And she used to go on all these like virtue signal rants about like accepting how you look and lifting because it feels good, not because it makes you look a certain way. While she was cutting for a photo shoot and she has fake boobs. I was like, you have no leg to stand. And everyone buys into it. It's so funny. Everyone's like, yeah, like applauding it. And I'm like, well, take a step back and look. Let's all be honest. We care how we look. I get so much flack for that. I'm like, fine you've never worn a stitch of makeup in your life and but you know let's talk about like said older female journalists that i'm thinking of in the 80s you were wearing shoulder pads on tv and i know because i saw you why are we wearing fake shoulders like why because it was in fashion and you wanted to look like you were fashionable like it's so frustrating oh anyway (laughs) there is i i think that probably actually this is quite a bold statement and it's probably only because i'm like that's what i see but the worst virtue signaling comes from like skinny white pts like me oh yeah you've got guys okay to be overweight and you're like you've never been overweight like why why do you think it's your place to stand up for these people it's just really strange yeah, you, I remember when you wrote that and people were like, well, I, I was all about this until you said that. And you were like, it's an observation and it's an observation that I've seen like repeatedly. And you're completely right. It is 100%. Okay. okay. Yeah, we're done with live questions at the moment. Also, can I just say one more thing on the virtue signaling thing? Yeah. All these like, yeah. you read into this what you will. I know what I'm saying. So all these like super aggressive men on social media who then start like throwing out their net about mental health campaigning and I'm like hmm that was interesting <laughs> and again they get applauded I'm like you're all fucking stupid sorry okay now I'm just now we should it move on it's strange that people don't seem to notice that a lot of people's messages completely 
conflict each other or like that what's quite clearly clearly their values don't align with their actions and it's just so like misaligned it's really strange that people can't see that or maybe some people do one of the reasons that I love Emma and my my sole objective like ever since I started to get a social media following or or when I started writing my books is to be as transparent and and as honest as possible as humanly possible to be as authentic but like just to be as honest so if I regret doing something so I really regret that I wish I hadn't said that or like if I really believe something be like well I don't care if you don't like it this is what I believe but it's so funny you see people playing this like puppeteering game and like you say Emma like nothing is aligning and I'm like how are people falling for it but I think that's really rare for someone who has like some level of fame because normally when you have any level of fame you're either saying something to build your fame i.e like something that's controversial for the sake of being controversial or you're virtue signaling like that's what Mm -hmm. I see from like most famous people yeah because they want to build it or they want to maintain it but then the fall, the fall from grace is so extravagant. And this is like, maybe this is why I have had really bad anxiety my whole life. The idea that I would be hiding in plain sight or otherwise kicks off my anxiety. So it's like, I actually find peace and like grounding and being like, no, no, this is genuinely what I think and feel. I don't give a fuck. Like, you know, anyway, we really are going off on a tangent. <laughs> so, okay. Fiona, hi there. Which is better if that loss is the goal? Higher reps? Or low, so higher reps, lower weight, or lower weight reps, heavy weight, Emma. Uh, the rep <laughs> range that we set you, I guess. Yeah. Like it's not, yeah. I mean, there isn't a specific rep range that's going to be better for fat loss. Remember, we're not exercising for fat loss. Think of your exercise, especially your resistance training sessions, to build muscle. Then the fat loss comes from energy balance and the best um way to make sure that you're in a deficit is by watching your diet and by making sure that you move enough so you expend enough energy now some of that will come from exercise but actually quite a small portion of that and really what we want you to focus on with exercise isn't how many calories you're burning or what's better for fat loss it's more what's going to build muscle so that you're maintaining as much lean muscle as possible because that's what's going to make you look feel and perform at your best exactly and off the back of that question here's another one which i'll take (laughs) what should i aim for higher weight lower reps or lower weight higher reps i'm in a fat loss phase many thank you guys your training is absolutely got nothing to do with your fat loss it's not the two are not intertwined fat loss is about calories really for you guys and steps and like i said in the very beginning for some of you we might need to relook at calories and we might need to look at macro splits but initially really all of you were going to put you in a calorie deficit by your neat which is your steps and your intake okay your training is when you get in the gym lift some weights um change your body composition and just believe us focus on your performance on hitting the sets and rep range we set you lifting as heavy as you possibly can within that sets and rep range and I promise you you will start to see your body change in ways that just because you're even asking the question I can guarantee you've never seen before so trust us yeah bruv yeah bruv yeah bruv okay Leanne Brennan if you overindulge one day, do you try to claw your calories back the rest of the week or should you just draw a line under it and carry on with your 1,600 calories per day? 
so we know what calories you're on, Leanne. Uh, really, this is completely up to you guys, and really it depends on the severity with which you overate. So let's just say you had 200 calories over your 1,600. Of course, in the next two days, absolutely shave it down. 300, three days, 400, four days, fine. If you really blew it out the water, you can either do a bit of both, where for the next five days, shave off 100 calories and then call it a day. Okay, a nice little cushion. And then, okay, I'm leaving that behind. Um, Or you can just be like, you know what? I'm not going to play this game with myself and just nip nip it in the bud. We would much rather that you guys were consistent and learned from any kind of catastrophic, you know, this doesn't, that doesn't exist, but that you learn from any kind of wagon falling than actually let it trip you up and put you into a cycle of binge restrict, which is what we're going to try and avoid at all fucking costs. Emma? Yeah, I think that that's the it depends doesn't it that if it is going to cause you to over restrict and then inevitably overindulge again then no we don't want you to do it realistically that will mean that that will impact your fat loss because you won't be in as big a deficit but every action has a consequence that's just life but what we do want you to do is learn from it so it's one thing to say like oh you know what i massively over ate on the weekend fine, let's draw a line under it, let's start fresh Monday, let's not over-restrict, let's get straight back on 1,600 calories and let's make sure this week is better. But before we do that, we need to actually learn from what went wrong. So mm-hmm. why did you overeat? And when you're in the same situation next weekend or at some point in the future, how are you going to make sure that the same thing doesn't happen again? Like mm-hmm. That's the learning part. Cause it's, we can't just say like, okay, well, that happened, just draw a line under it, move on. And then it happens the next weekend. Oh, well, just draw a line under it, move on that's why you don't get results you yeah. have to learn from these things so it's not like we completely expect people to slip up like we slip up all the time yeah. and it's not about beating yourself up it's like okay well this is an opportunity to figure out you know if I'm always finding that on a Friday night I end up overeating is that because maybe my calories are too low before like during the week maybe I'm dropping my calories too low maybe I'm trying to save 100 calories a day for the weekend because I know that I'm going to eat a little bit more on the weekend but actually that isn't serving me particularly well because that means that I'm trying to eat 1500 calories during the week and that's actually a little bit too low for me so I'm going to have to bring that up it could be that your calorie target is too low it could be that it's social occasions and as soon as you have a couple of drinks you end up then overeating like there are so many aspects that it could be but you need to figure that out so doing a little bit of like introspective work and questioning why that happened and any patterns behind why it might be happening again and again that's the work we need to do and then yeah like if like what chloe says if it's like oh i went over by 100 calories cool eat 100 less the next day or like sort of you can probably even that out over the week but if it's by 500 600 700 like you you just want to learn from it and move on yep preach Okay, okay. Claire Millerchap. Two of my best friends are called the Millerchip. So every time I see this, I feel like we're best mates. <laughs> Claire Millerchap. Hi, ladies. I have a question about our protein intake. I'm hitting my protein minimum, but I'm wondering whether I need to hit a protein minimum per meal or should I just concentrate on consuming a minimum of 100 grams of protein per day? For example, my protein today has been 33 grams at breakfast, 35 grams at lunch, 35 grams for my evening meal and 14 grams in my snack. I wasn't sure if I needed to even it all out more and hit maybe 25 grams per meal. I currently have a fat loss goal if it makes any difference. Thank you. That sounds absolutely perfect to me. Anywhere between 20 to 40 grams per meal is fantastic. And even, you know, you're hitting in the 30s, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then 14 gram snack. More than happy with that. Emma? 
Yeah, I'm absolutely happy with that. I mean, <clears throat> you could be like, well, what's optimal would be to, <laughs> you know, just have like 28 grams per meal and then you could have a snack that's also 28 grams or whatever. But realistically, it's going to make basically no difference. And it sounds like you're doing really well with what you're doing. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. Yeah. Okay. This one's a bit of a long-ish one, but it, I've just read the very beginning of it and it's worth it. So we should do it. Hi, girls. Can I please ask a question for my mum, please? She's desperate. Bit of a background on her. She's six feet eight, four foot eight. Diddy! Like my mum. And eight and a half stone. She has osteoporosis and arthritis down her spine and she's in pain daily, which prescribed medication only takes the edge off. The more weight on her affects her mobility. Her best weight to feel and move is seven stone. She does get her 10K steps in every day to keep her moving. Otherwise, she ceases up. And she says that she has 1,000 calories, sometimes 900 calories a day. She does have a lot of muscle wastage and she struggles to get up off the floor when she's on her knees what would you advise for her she's so desperate to move better and lose weight sorry for the long post I hope you don't mind but I know you're the best your poor mum that makes me feel really really sad um because I just I've seen it with James the pain I mean the pain that, that that can cause is just really upsetting to watch so okay um first of all so she's on prescribed medication which is you know great it's more than Emma and I can do I would say she needs to see a physio that specializes in this in terms of what she can be doing for her movement for example like swimming is the first thing that would come to mind that's going to help her get some mobility and also some exercise and also it is kind of a form of um, recovery and stretching it's very good for people with issues like this um, in terms of her daily diet um Again, seeing a dietitian is probably going to be really helpful because there are things, there are supplements that obviously they're not fucking miracle cures. They're supplements. They're to supplement a good diet, but that might be able to help her alongside certain things in her diet, which would also, you know, likely be able to help her. And, you know, for example, oily fish and oils and things like that are likely going to be really helpful for her. Um, certain fruit and veg, honestly, like seeing a dietitian and getting a good diet is also great. And yeah, she'll need to be in a calorie deficit. And she's so small it's really unfortunate that she's going to have to be in a low calorie deficit if she wants to get down to that seven stone. But then we can slowly start to build calories back up and see where we get to. Again, I would say seeing a dietitian is probably preferable than Emma and I just like shooting off advice. Um, but I would say get her to a physio and get a really nice kind of plan that's going to help her with her motion and her movement and comfortability in her body. And the same with a dietitian. Emma? I agree, re-physio, or I think what would actually be even better than that is like a personal trainer who maybe specialises in yeah. something like this. So for example, someone I went to university with uh, specialises in stroke rehab. And so a lot of what he does isn't necessarily like, I don't know, a, a clean and press or like a normal movement. It might be, okay, we're going to carry this dumbbell as if it is a kettle. And then mm. you're going to put it up on that ledge because that's what you need to do in your day-to-day -day life. Like, yeah. or things like, I used to do this a lot with cancer survivors, but just like getting up and out of a chair yeah. and sitting back down. Like, it has to be really practical because who cares what your mum can like <laughs> clean and press? No one. But w what we want is improved quality of life and that needs to be focused on 
the actions that she wants it so that she can live at home on her own like able to do things for herself like that's the goal here not so much like the other aspects so definitely I would look into something like that and then in terms of your diet yes you could see a dietitian if that's available to you but the other thing would be massively increasing protein that's going to be so important especially if you're having muscle wastage and what tends to happen as you get older is this anabolic resistance so you think protein might be important to you as you're dieting it's like double as important as you age it becomes really really important especially if you're already experiencing muscle wastage so I would really ramp up her protein intake and as much as we say 20 grams is probably enough to maximally stimulate muscle protein synthesis probably looking at closer to 40 grams in an older person so I would really try and get her to eat more protein and that's going to make it I mean easier to stick to her lower calories as well because if she's getting in a lot of protein she's going to be quite satiated and that tends to be the issue with older people when they try and increase their protein intake is that they struggle with hunger to or like they feel too full to eat that much protein so those would be my two things like see if you can find a specialist who's gonna create exercises that are actually practical to her yeah or I mean you can do a lot of these things yourself like getting up and up and out of chairs moving things around like getting a dumbbell and like pretending it's something practical that she needs to do like I don't know there's there's loads of different things that she'll probably know what she tends to struggle with whether that's like getting off the toilet or something like that and then you can okay well that's effectively box squats isn't it so can we add a little bit of weight and see if you can do it with a little bit of weight in a controlled manner and then it's going to become so much easier when you come to do it to get off the toilet for example um yeah those would be my things and definitely the protein yeah i agree and i also think look just for if we're going to talk about like inflammation effects getting that maybe going lower carb and then going getting your protein from those higher fat sources like we say like those oily fish um it's yeah, gonna look be up the mediterranean diet high protein mediterranean diet probably be ideal ideal and like also another thing with swimming you know you say that her spine is really the problem building up muscle around the problem areas and this is what james has to do as well is obviously hugely beneficial as emma said there's no point in doing this if you're not going to double whammy with the high protein diet but with swimming again it you're not you're not having gravity is on your side number one and number two like what a back strengthening exercise i mean jesus like that is really gonna really gonna help her yeah, I, I, exactly. It's everything that we've said, and then maybe reach out to some some specialists because we ain't them, unfortunately. Um, okay, Kim. Hi, lovely pair. Is there a rule to inhale, exhale, breathing with lifting weights? I feel like I'm always having to go back to the app to check the description of when to inhale, when to exhale, and how important it is. Thank you, girls. Yeah, so typically you inhale on the kind of, uh, well, you exhale on the lift itself. And then you inhale on the return to that position. Yeah. So prep, big chest press. You come in as the weight comes in, and then you breathe out as you push out. Um, and yes, it is it is hugely beneficial. Emma. Yeah, agreed. I wouldn't overthink it. I think this is something that <laughs> it actually becomes harder when you overthink it. Like I only yeah. ever mention it to clients if I can see that they're either holding their breath, which is quite common, yeah, or doing the complete opposite, which is actually really rare. Like it's your natural response will be to breathe in that way. But as soon as you start thinking about breathing, it oh. it becomes quite hard. Like, you know, if you ever think about like 
blinking or not blinking or something you're like am i blinking too much like yeah things that become like really nat that should just come naturally to you like if you start thinking about them they get really hard so try not to overthink the breathing yeah, I literally, lit- this is literally me skipping. If I don't think about it, I'm going. Like, I, like, I've got good coordination. I can skip, I can go, I've got good fitness. The second that I'm like, what if I trip up? How do I stop myself tripping? Bang, I'm done. <laughs> no, I feel like that applies to everything in life. Yeah, flow state, yeah. in it. In it, bruv. Um, okay, Valerie. Hi, Chloe and Emma. Between, no, being with the ECM, since last December slowly but surely I've lost body fat my weight is the same I wasn't looking or needing to for that to go down my measurements are the same as in December I did put up photos a few weeks ago to which you could see fat loss I'm on a small frame so is that why my measurements have not changed hence the fat loss sorry for the probably stupid question okay we need to see photos again to be honest um so we can see some context but yeah the smaller you are and the less I have to lose the less you're gonna lose yeah, and, also, and just to, because <clears throat> I wanted to say this when we were talking about old Michelle, who lost a pound already, um, is that actually slow fat loss, or sorry, wrong, slow weight loss is more impressive because it probably means you're maintaining more lean body mass. And it's actually yeah. what we want. And I mean, I really wish that we had an accurate way to measure fat loss as opposed to weight loss. But if we could, you would see that a lot of people who have actually lost less weight have lost more fat than some of the people who have lost more weight and I think that's really important to remember as well like the aim of the game isn't to lose weight as quickly as possible okay Mandy not question I just want to say thank you both Emma and Chloe for helping me have a better relationship with food and fat loss I'm loving the calories I'm on the difference in my energy and my mood is amazing so far and I've lost one and a half pounds overall and reduce my rhr by an average of four bpm no more restrict binge and punishing my body with excessive workouts love you both yeah mandy's been giving us all the feels these last couple days that's love it that's like everything that we would want someone to get though i know she's my girl she's a good egg um okay amy mcnaughton great love it given i'm not genetically blessed but consistently hit protein and four to five home weighted workouts a week what is a realistic amount of muscle to gain in an extended hypertrophy phase and more specifically what level of muscle gain will give noticeable physique changes following a fat loss phase i know gaining jeez I know gaining muscle is a slow, so slow process. <laughs> it's a slow process, and patience is key. And it won't be an exact science, but it will be interested in a ballpark to both mod- modify my expectations, but also motivate me towards my long-term goals. I am enjoying the process and the impact of hitting my non-negotiables has on my life and my mindset. But I'm also a little bit vain, and I'm intrigued to see what my body is capable of. And I so wondered if you could expand on what realistic expectations are uh right okay well first of all if you hit your protein and you're doing like you say four to five home weighted workouts now look that's fine you know this is resistance training and as long as you're uh, hitting failure in the sets and reps range that we give you that's great so that's the main thing but if you can get to a gym and you have a real as you say vein hypertrophy goal get to a gym 
but whatever. Like I say, if you're doing exercises with good form and you're hitting failure, that's great. If you're a brand spanking newbie to lifting, you could look to gain somewhere in the region of, what is it, 1.5 kg every four weeks. And that is not an exact science, words that you use yourself. This is a ballpark figure. If you're intermediate, you're looking more like one. And if you're if you're an old hat, you're looking more like 0.5. Actually, I said kg, I mean LB. Um, you're looking more at like 0.5 if you're fucking lucky. Like if you're lucky. There is no exact science. We cannot tell you for sure, you know, and, and all we can do is make sure that you are hitting your protein and hitting your kind of, I would say, yeah, three, anywhere between three to five weighted workouts a week, hitting failure in the sets and reps range we give you. Give you. Please also do be aware that you are not going to see this muscle pop in for at best months. Okay, at worst years, and certainly you, 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 it's more likely they're not going to have to enter a bit of a fat loss phase after a really good period of time in hypertrophy, where you are likely to gain a little bit of body fat if you're doing it properly, and then you can really see that muscle development happening. But I wouldn't want you in hypertrophy for any less than six months um, before, any less than that, ideally longer before even thinking about going into a fat loss phase. Those are my thoughts on it. Emma, your thoughts? Okay, I agree with that. And I also have a quote which resonated with me so much. And I just think this is perfect for this. And that is that there is no limit on better. Talent is distributed unfairly, or in this case, genetics is distributed unfairly. But there mm-hmm. is no limit on how much we can improve what we start with. And I think mm-hmm. like that's how you need to think about it. If you're saying like, oh, I've not been blessed genetically there's nothing you can do about that. And whether you have or haven't, like I think a lot of people assume that they haven't, but that is potentially because they haven't worked that hard for that long yet. But there is no limit on how much you can improve what you start with. So I would I would worry less as well. Like this is going to be a long journey. If you want to build a decent amount of muscle, it's a long journey. Start enjoying the process and start worrying less about how much you're going to gain in X amount of time and what that might look like and X, Y, and Z. Like, it's impossible for us to give any kind of realistic prediction of that. Like it's literally just a kind of a waste of time to even try and put numbers on it because there's so many factors that come into it and and people respond in such different ways. Mm -hmm. So without like, I mean, we'd maybe be able to give you slightly better prediction if I'd like trained you in person for six months, I'd probably be able to see what might be happening, but there's no way yeah someone's yeah another quote which is quite good which is hard work will beat talent if talent doesn't work hard which again true but i just really liked that one thought that was good no i love it and again i talked about that what was it a couple weeks ago i listened to that podcast that brett Contreras was on uh and he made a really funny point he was like i can't have people coming to me and showing me a photo of j-lo right or kim kardashian or some brazilian fucking miss olympia and be like how long till i have an ass like her and he's like you're asking me the wrong fucking question what you should say is how long until i have the best ass that i can have yeah it is yeah how long until you can have the best butt that you can have and i hate i hate to break it to you but you're not all gonna end up having the same ass (laughs) it's not gonna happen um yeah genetics are real people okay emily clark Hello, please may you both preach once and for all that muscle does not weigh more <laughs> than fat. A pound of muscle is a pound of fat. Like a pound of feathers is a pound of 
metal. A pound is a pound is a pound is a pound. Muscle is denser than fat, means meaning it takes up less room than fat. It's more. What compact. about a pound of poo? <laughs> and a pound of poo, probably dent. Well, <laughs> we can't speak on the density of said poo. <laughs> probably yeah, that's there's variation there actually. Yeah, it? probably reflective of the dietary intake. I keep reading it in this group and in other places, and I know it's not true. Is it one of those myths which refuses to die? A pound is a pound is a pound is a pound. I don't but even think it's a myth. I think it's just like... It's misspeaking. Yeah, it's misspeaking. But like people get the point of it. They're not saying that it actually weighs more. Like anything that weighs the same obviously weighs the same. It's just that like if you have, like you say, like a pound of feathers is going to take up more space than yeah. a pound of metal or like a pound <laughs> of gold. Like... But and in the same way that a pound of muscle is gonna look it's gonna take up a lot more less, sorry, space on your body than a pound of fat is. That's what people mean. And yeah. that is true. So yeah, I get I get that that's not technically right, but I think that that's what people mean anyway. Yeah, we have this sometimes with the um toned. How do I turn my now my muscle is all turned to fat, no absolutely physically impossible for that to happen <laughs> well now my now my fat's turned to muscle no it's <laughs> not what's happened but look ultimately we all know what people mean like with toning toning isn't a thing we know what people mean we, we can get you know we can get bogged down in semantics but um yeah it's up to emma and i to know what people mean that's why i really don't like it when people get really angry about the term clean eating i'm like it's just a term, like it, it, when it's not advice, I mean, when someone's just saying it like, oh, I've been eating pretty clean. When you take it away from advice and you're just using it as terminology, we all fucking know what that means. It, like, why are we, why do we care? It that? is hard because I even notice myself doing something like that. I'd be like, oh, you know, like I've been really, or I've been good on my diet. And it's like, oh no, shouldn't say good or bad. Like it's just, it's just what you, and then it's like, how do you explain that? And you, you almost become unrelatable to your clients because you're like, I'm not going to use like these certain words around food, even though we all know what I mean. <laughs> really annoying. I saw this. Um... What you meant to say, like nutritionally dense diet, like, but that doesn't mean anything to most people. Whereas no. clean eating, they're kind of like, as much as I don't tend to use that term, like people are like, oh, right. Yeah. So you're eating like mostly lean meat and fruit and veg and whole foods. Yeah. And yeah, great. I love Whole Foods. <laughs> so overpriced, but I know. know. And in the middle of nowhere. I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw. <laughs> There's one like just a yeah on the way. Anyway, in Camden, kind of in Camden. Yeah, yeah. No, they're yeah. in there every single one. It's so expensive, but like they have these like buffets in the middle. They do these garlic sprouts. Oh my god. That's so, it. Yeah, they're so good, but it's like five pounds for like. Oh a yeah, tiny tub, tub of sprouts. I'm like, fuck you, but I want it. <laughs> oh. Um, okay, should we? How many more do you want to do? Two. Okay. Uh, Katie Miles, hi, lovely ladies. Thanks for all the support so far, and the grads. Ah, shout out to the grads. You guys are ace. We love you. I'm 42, five foot seven, and I was always 10 stone four lbs until cancer. I'm never going to be cured. I had a hysterectomy three years ago and I currently take estrogen blockers. They make me feel shit, by the way. Oh, Katie. 
I've hit my calories every day, my steps and my workouts on the way up. I've managed two a week this far. My weight hasn't dropped. It's increased slightly. And I'm now back at my starting weight. I'm on 1,850 calories. Should I reduce my calories to 1,750 or even 1,700? Thank you. I can't wait to see the physical old me again. Oh, I'm currently weighing 12 stone, 2.6. Right, Emma, what do you think? She's, she's wondering whether she should reduce her calories and obviously she's given you a fair bit of context with her background. Um, I would say yeah, probably. Okay. Especially if you can deal with that. Like if you if you feel like you can cut your calories down to 1700, I think that we'd probably see more fat loss. Yeah, agreed. I'm just thinking if there's anything. Yeah, okay. And I, yeah, she, 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 I, there isn't a huge distinction, guys, just so you all know, between like 1700 calories and 1750. In fact, frequently in the live when I'm reading out the questions, I'm rounding. Because <laughs> it doesn't really matter, but yeah. I would yeah if you're if if look full circle back to how we opened the podcast or the live and what we were saying about about calories and waiting and being patient there will come a point where if you guys really aren't seeing results and you're above that 1500 to 1600 bracket we are just going to pull you down there because for some of you that's just what you're going to have to do we just like to take it nice and slow we don't like to jump the gun when we don't need to uh lavinia what a lovely name hi both i'm just wondering if you if you have any tips on the mental aspects of overcoming an injury. Well, you've got one very good coach for that here. For context, I've had surgery on my back after a herniated disc caused by bad sciatica for about a year prior to my operation. I was in fairly horrendous pain. The surgery worked and I'm all fixed, thankfully, but I'm finding there are times that I'm afraid. God, Emma, you literally could have written it. I'm afraid. To do yeah, certain... sorry. I wrote this question in myself. I'm Lavinia. <laughs> I'm afraid to do certain moves or exercises because I'm worried about my back or more the worry of going back to that place of being in constant pain. The kettlebell pirate ships and the app being a prime example. I know in a lot of cases this is irrational and in all instances is fear-based. But I wondered if either of you have any guidance on how to overcome this fear based on your own experiences with injuries. I did the pirate ships, by the way. I just came down in weight to be safe. Great. And I'm happy to report that my back is still in one piece. Oh, Lavinia, you came to the right place. Emma, speak on it. Yeah, honestly, I could have written that myself. Like I st- And I'm still absolutely terrified to pull my back again. And, I, and it's not that that will just go away, but I think the more and more you try different things slowly, like there's no rush back into it. And like given what you've been through, you'll know that it's not worth rushing. Like there is no rush. So slowly start to introduce new things and just there are certain exercises that you might just not want to do anymore because it does put a lot more pressure on your back. Like I was told that any sort of rotation type stuff like a golf swing, anything that's like kind of similar to that, don't do. Fine. My golf career over. But (laughs) like I think there's some things that you just might not want to do. But it does get easier and like there are now days and I genuinely never thought this would happen but there are days where I well maybe like at least half days where I don't even think about my back and I'm like Mm. oh my god I've been sat down for almost an hour and a half and I'm not in pain like that's like that's quite incredible in itself and also this week I did single leg stiff leg deadlifts squats with really like all the way down with a whole 12 kilograms 
and yeah so like it does it does get better and it will start to improve but there's a huge element of fear in there and actually we did a really good podcast on fitness unfiltered with a pain specialist or kind of more like a movement specialist but I would certainly go and listen to that because it was really interesting and kind of speaks to how even if there is still pain there it might not necessarily be a tissue problem it's just that you're expecting pain and then you start to feel pain so working through that as well but yeah do your rehab slowly get back into it you the other thing is and like this is extremely unhelpful so if anyone's thinking of of doing this to someone please don't but after my surgery a lot of people messaged me on instagram and were like oh yeah just be careful because after like six months mine just slipped again and i'm like oh thanks thanks for telling me like obviously they mean it from a good place of like be careful yes like please do be careful but i think that's really unhelpful because then you're in this sort of like constant like fear and realistically if it's going to slip again it's going to slip again at some point like you can be as careful as you possibly can be and do all the right things but it might still slip and and you kind of just have to accept that but not much in life is sure anyway like there's there's also a risk that you might get run over or that I don't know, a brick might fall on your head. Like, you can't live in constant fear of something negative happening, but you can do all you can to avoid that happening. And it sounds like you're already doing that and you're, like, slowly increasing. Yeah. Yeah, nothing to add. Okay, we've just got a couple of things to touch on on the live feed. Um, How much protein a day would you recommend to someone with osteoarthritis trying to lose weight? Okay, so what we were talking about was more muscle wastage, so sarcopenia. And although the individual had osteoarthritis as well, it was more that that I was talking to, that she's having muscle wastage. So that's why the protein is so important. So I don't know if the protein requirements would be different for arthritis. To be honest, I don't think they would. No, I, I don't think they would at all. I, again, I would say looking into supplements to supplement already a diet that was maybe helping you with inflammation and pain. Yeah, I think um, with arthritis as well, if you're not getting treatment for it, like if it's maybe quite mild, then supplements might be really useful. So things that are going to reduce inflammation, so like antioxidants and things. But if you're taking something that reduces inflammation, that's like going to be way more potent and almost the supplements are probably a bit of a waste of money. Like I know that some people think it's additive, but I don't think it is i think it's like you've taken something that will massively reduce inflammation and then the supplements are like a drop in the ocean so it depends like if you're already being medicated or not yeah and this but that applies to pretty much all the advice that emma and i are going to give you guys we are not specialists we are not you know doctors we're not we're not we're not physios we're here to give you your lifestyle advice and obviously a little bit you know we can get a little bit more specific for certain people but yeah that applies to everything I mean we're not sending you guys out prescriptions for a fucking reason because we would be arrested (laughs) do you know what's bad we probably wouldn't I know (laughs) you can buy anything on the dark web Um, okay is that it well that was lovely then we will see you Friday. Friday bye Oh, I can't find the stop button. Okay, bye, guys.